Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Daniel Carrero of House to Home Solutions. Daniel founded the company not simply to design and build luxury home renovations with excellence. He wanted to create spaces that inspire through a collaborative, stress-free partnership with homeowners. Daniel leads with integrity. He takes pride in the company's streamlined processes, quality products, customer experience, and award-winning team. Involved in every project, Daniel loves transforming client spaces and is a walking encyclopedia of product and construction knowledge. Now for my conversation with Daniel Carrero. Hey, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Why don't you give everyone just a little bit of background? Who are you? What's the company and where are you guys located? Hi, I'm Daniel Carrero with the House to Home Solutions here in Rockville, Maryland. We're a design, build, remodel firm. Uh, handle pretty much anything inside and outside the house, uh, residential-wise. How did it all start? When did the company form? So we started in 2005, where it was a partnership with my mother, actually, who was in real estate. You know, it was the housing boom. So we we started it as a concierge service for people selling and buying their home in the area. So we worked basically with them to prep their home for sale and then help them find a new home and then prep their new home for them to move in where we help them with the remodeling as well as the whole move and setting their home up. And you know, most of it at the beginning was was kind of handyman type stuff, me in a truck with, you know, a couple couple subs that I had and then from there 2008 came around housing crash. My mom got out of the business. She stayed in real estate, but got out of our our business. And uh, I just continued doing handyman stuff for a while until things picked up again. And then gradually transitioned over to a full design build firm, probably about seven, eight years ago, when we really started doing much larger scale projects and still have that concierge handholding type of service compared to a typical remodeler. That's cool. I like that. That's such a niche service. The will help you prep, get the home ready for sale, and then move, and then and then get it. I'm curious. I guess out of all the the real estate customers, like how many were really interested in that, and that was like something that they. I would imagine it wasn't everybody. Some people are like, just sell my home. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the time, the you know the, the housing boom, it was popular. I wouldn't say that we did a ton of them, or we kind of did both ends, but. You know, we were just getting started in it. So it was it was kind of a very niche idea. I think the big thing was the people who truly wanted somebody to hold their hand through it. You know, at the time, people were just they wanted to spend their time working and making money rather than, you know, having to do the the day-to-day stuff of a move. And so it it really took that 
kind of stress and pressure off of the, off of other people. Yeah, that makes sense. What what was the first year like? I feel like the first year in business is always a roller coaster. Sometimes it's multiple years, sometimes it's decades, but you know, the first year there's just it's like a whirlwind of new. Anything stand out from the first year or two that lessons you learned that you that you took away or just something that maybe surprised you about running a business? I was small. We didn't have a lot of overhead. It was it was fairly easy for the most part in the sense of, you know, word of mouth and and friends and family helping me get business at the beginning. You know, we're a much much different company now than we were then. Always being on top of the customer as far as customer relation and making sure they're happy and that we're meeting expectations has always been a big part of the way I run my business. And I think that's helped me through the years. You know, I'm very customer service oriented. After the crash and then the kind of transition out of handyman, what prompted that shift, you know, from handyman to, hey, let's start taking on larger stuff? I guess it it kind of comes from because of that level of customer customer service that we offer and that kind of handholding and concierge type service that I've always tried to give to my clients, it, it kind of naturally grew into my customers wanting more from us, as well as it's sort of a niche market, not necessarily that they have to be wealthy to hire us, but they had to be willing to pay for that extra level of service. You know, people that are looking for handyman typically aren't willing to pay top dollar for that level of service. And so I think that's why we really made that transition to be more of a general contractor at first. And then we gradually brought design in-house mainly to be able to have a little more control over the project from beginning to end because of the level of service we want to give our client. Yeah, that makes sense. I would imagine that shift was a pretty big shift in the business. Have there been one or two other kind of big pivots or course you know, changes that stand out just from start to where you are today? I think the only one that I mean comes to mind right now is really making the shift from larger scale projects, right? And doing fewer of the smaller projects. So an example is, you know, you look back, I don't know, five plus years ago, and we were probably doing over a hundred jobs a year. Last year we did a total of 30, but we had the highest revenue we've ever had. Right. So as we get known in the industry for the level of service and quality that we provide, we're getting larger scale projects and people asking for for bigger and better. And some of those are higher end clients, right? With higher incomes and, and more disposable income to, to do those high end projects. But it's also customers that just want a larger project that they're willing to pay for the level of service we offer. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. What do you think is the toughest part about being an entrepreneur, running your own business, that sort of thing? I think people don't realize the amount of hours and brain power you have to put into it. And, you know, there's, there's so much, you know, even when you're not working, you're thinking about work, you know, it's, it it doesn't turn off and, and really to set those boundaries for yourself as an owner, to make sure you do have that personal time is really important. You know, it took me a long time before I told myself, like, I'm not working weekends and I'm not working evenings and things like that. You know, the, those are the type of things that take time to develop and figure out that, you know, you can take time off 
the business will still be there. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are some of those other boundaries you mentioned, you know, weekends and nights and stuff, but how have you incorporated that into the boundaries that you maybe set today? I really don't work weekends anymore. I have been past couple months just because we've been working on the new showroom. But, but other than that, we, we typically don't work weekends. You know, I do, I do have a couple evenings a week that I will dedicate to clients who really can't take other time off if we need to meet, but, you know, I try to limit that. And same thing with like communication, you know, you got to set expectations with your clients up front to not be texting you, you know, in the middle of the night or calling you in the middle of the night or on the weekends. These are the expected business hours and, you know, we're happy to communicate and we'll be responsive, but, you know, let's respect each other's time. You know, it's the same thing for my employees. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't have a set schedule per se in the sense of it's not a nine to five job. We're here to take care of our clients. We're all adults. It's a matter of figuring out the schedule that works to get the job done for the client. But also, you know, if, if you think you need a day off during the week, but you can make it up on a Saturday or something that I leave that up to my employees to figure that out. Because to me, it's not, it's, it doesn't matter when it gets done as long as it's done efficiently and and you're productive. Yeah. Yeah. More about the result than the butts and seats mentality sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think you enjoy most about your business or, or running a business in general? I've run multiple businesses and different types of stuff, but what I really enjoy, especially design build, but just remodeling in general is that it's never the same. Mm -hmm. No two projects are exactly the same. You're always going to be dealing with either different personalities, different customers, but also just the project themselves can be exciting to just design and develop something that's completely different from what you've done before. And there's so many cool new products out there, you know, every, every year, especially with technology, home automation, there's just so much stuff coming out all the time that just really keeps, keeps it fresh and new and not something that becomes very stale. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's one thing that I really enjoy about running a business is that it's just changing all the time, you know, and evolving. And yeah, if you have that entrepreneurial brain, it's always, like you said, it's always working no matter where you are, but it's also fun. Like you enjoy the progression and the building process and everything. I was thinking about, you know, that journey too, from, you know, starting handyman concierge, like helping people move houses to where you are today. What's maybe a skill that you didn't have when you started that journey that you've had to build and develop that's been one of the most impactful in, you know, getting you to where you are today? That's a really good question. I mean, I've I've definitely learned a lot about running a business and, and being a leader and, and learning how to manage people. You know, I think something that was very humbling for me was when I joined Remodelers Advantage back in 2014 you know, I came thinking that, hey, I've got a decent company and I think I know what I'm doing and having to kind of present my company and then have people ask like, well, why do you do that? And why do you do this? And why do you do it that way? And was very humbling that, hey, there is different ways of doing this. And, you know, just opened my mind to listening and taking criticism and being able to absorb that information and realize that, I haven't learned everything and and there's so much more I can learn 
and so much I can give, right? And so that that's one thing I love about Remodelers Advantage is that it's a group of people who truly care about themselves, their business, their employees, and they want to grow and and they're willing to give as much as they take. And and I that to me is is just who I am. And so it really sits really well with me as as kind of a I don't know if you call it a philosophy, but a way of of just living is just, you know, if I'm willing to give, I know people are going to be willing to give back to me. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second and let you know that I've been getting some great feedback on my book lately, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. You can check it out over on Amazon if you want the complete marketing framework that we use with our clients. All right, back to the show. Shifting gears a little bit, there's always like wacky projects, crazy client stories in construction. Anything stand out to you over the years that was just a little wild or off the wall? And obviously you can leave out personal details and that sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'd have to say probably the two crazy projects. And I hate to say it because they're really kind of a of an illness rather than, you know, something that's something to be made fun of. But when you look back at it, it you, you sort of have to laugh at some of the things. You know, we did work for one one homeowner that was a hoarder, and mm. uh, it was just a disaster, a nightmare. And uh, you know, it got to the point where I had to I had to reach out to the the person's daughter and basically tell them that you know I can't I can't in good conscience let their mother move back into this house without intervening in some way, whether I've got to call the county or somebody just because I didn't feel the house was safe and I didn't feel her living conditions were safe. That was a tough one at that moment, you know, doing the project, you know, we were laughing and joking, but then realizing like this lady really needs help, you know, was, was kind of tough. And another one that comes to mind is somebody that we did a a condo for that started as we were just going to do some patching and painting and ended up becoming, we found that the whole place just had black mold everywhere. And we ended up having to gut the entire condo and basically redo the whole thing. And then coming to find out later that we thought the guy was sort of a hoarder as well, but it really wasn't that he was not autistic. What is that called? Asperger's. Mm. And so the guy was a genius. He had like three advanced degrees, like a PhD and two master's degrees. The guy was brilliant, Wow! but you know, just had a lot of other issues and just didn't throw anything away and just kept things and thought that, you know, it was safer to keep it and that sort of thing. And so we ended up, you know, having a really good heart to heart talk and and he had us really help him go through all his stuff and get rid of things and donate things and, you know, kind of re redid his life to kind of restart fresh and helped him with furniture and all kinds of stuff. And then, I mean, it was to the point that he was so happy with us two years later, he retired and he was going to sell his, his place and he was going to move to Florida. And he asked us if we could go down to Florida and renovate his new condo to be exactly like the one we did up here. Wow. And, you know, I was just like, you know, I'd love to do it, but it just doesn't make any sense from a cost standpoint. And, you know, we ended up finding him somebody down there that could, you know, help him in kind of the same way we did up here. But those are probably the two that really stand out to me the most. They're just unique, you know, unfortunately, people that need help. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we luckily we, we we have the patience and we were able to kind of help them through those difficult situations in their life. 
Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It sounds like they found found the right company because yeah. yeah, they they might not have ended in a in a good spot if they landed with somebody else. So, I guess in thinking about like where you are today and and what you guys are focused on, like what's the future hold for the next three five years that sort of thing? For me, it's it's you know I've been I've been growing but growing at a at a pace that we can control it, and you know I want to continue to grow, but in the in the way that. I'd like to get to the point where I don't have to be in the day-to-day part of the business, but actually being able to focus on the things that I do well and and really giving back to our our clients and our community and being able to be more of a leader in the business rather than having to do the day-to-day kind of parts of the job. So, you know, we've just been hiring gradually and, and adding people in the right positions to take hats off of me. And that's the way I want to continue growing. I mean, I I don't have like a cap of how big I want to get or how small I want to keep it. It's really more of, you know, I want it to grow organically and just feel that we're in control and in a good place. Do you have a next hire or hat or responsibility that you feel like would be a big step towards, you know, pulling yourself out a little bit more? I've hired a couple new positions in the past year, year and a half. And right now, I think the next step would probably be to figure out how I want to handle sales, you know, whether I want to go to like an actual salesperson or a designer sales model. I haven't figured that part out yet. I think probably if I could take that designer hat off, then I mean, not designer hat, I'm sorry, sales hat, it would free me up a little bit more. Although I really enjoy that part. I love that part of being able to talk to the client and really thinking about how we can come up with a solution for them. So mm-hmm. it's a hard hat for me to give up, but you know, I could always still run a couple leads here and there, but I enjoy that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, business in general, probably like you said, you have an active mind too. And like, I always think about that, like there's hours worked in the business and then there's hours worked in the mind like everywhere all the time you know and that sort of thing and it is funny like as you scale the business you start thinking through how much time do i want to be spending and where do i want to spend that time and i think the answer is different for everybody and for you you might be like i just love sales and you know that creative problem solving of like hey they want to accomplish this and this is what we're dealing with and i i i like figuring that out and so you may find that you're always involved in that, whereas somebody else might be like, I hate sales. Like I love just this other part, you know? So I don't know. It's just a fun, fun thing to think through. And yeah, sounds like you, yeah, you're working through those and making those moves right now. So that's super cool. A couple of rapid fire questions. What, what do you think makes you unique in your marketplace today when you look at other companies or just when clients come to you, like how do you try to convey that uniqueness? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I've been trying to come up with like a, a USP for for a little while now, and it's hard to really find those unique pieces that really make you completely different from other other companies. But the thing that I tend to gravitate to and think about is that what I want to sell is a partnership approach. I want to work with our clients, not as a sales team just selling to a client. I think I've put together a group of people who truly care. You know, we're, we're the ones who don't sleep at night if something's not going right on your project. You know, it, it kind of gives the customer that peace of mind that, yeah, something might be going wrong because in, in remodeling construction in general, 
something can always go wrong in your project, right? And and you can almost expect something to go wrong, but it's how the company handles those issues and communicates with you and, and just takes care of that situation that really sets it apart from another company. That's really where we kind of exceed the norm and, and really, you know, take that caring and partnership approach with our client. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. If you could unlock like one constraint on your business right now, or if there's a big challenge that you could just evaporate, what is that right now? I think the biggest issue right now, and it's probably hitting all of us is inflation. I mean, the price of everything is through the roof. It's even shocking to me when I'm doing an estimate or looking at what something costs. And it's like, really? Like, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, some form of construction for over 25 years. And it's just like, I've never seen anything like this. It's not something I can tell somebody like, hey, yeah, wait six months. It's going to come down. Like, yeah, it's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to get any better anytime soon. And, you know, even if there was a price drop, I mean, we're talking pennies versus, you know, what the total cost of your project is. So, you know, it's, it's really about educating the homeowner now and, and getting them to understand like you're going to get less for your money. So you either have to spend more or you've got to, reduce your scope of work and and be realistic about what you're going to get for your money. And I think that's probably the biggest hurdle we're having right now because we're in that transition period where people are having to realize that things are more expensive. Like they know and they've heard it's more expensive, but they don't realize that it can be 30 to 40% or more depending on what the product is mm-hmm. higher than it was two, two and a half years ago. Right. So you know, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for people to, for that to sink in and people to realize what things are costing and what they're going to get for their money. And I think we're going through that, that roller coaster right now. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. We're still normalizing to that like quick acceleration that we yeah. saw. And yeah, I mean, it won't go down because the Fed always targets two to 3%, but that's on top of what it already is. So it's not like we're going to go backwards, you know, by... Yeah. By, yeah. And, so. and the, I think the biggest thing people don't realize is, you know, they hear material costs went up. Well, you know, certain things like commodity products, like, you know, lumber and drywall, yeah, those type of things can come back down. They won't be where they were, but they'll come back down and they have. But things that are manufactured is where the prices aren't going to come down because manufacturing has had such a hit from from covid you know they lost a lot of staff they had to hire new people new hires are always more expensive they had to pay their existing employees who stayed more money because if not they're going to go to the next factory that's paying more money for a new hire and so the cost the labor cost of manufacturing has just gone through the roof and there's no way to come back from that. You're not going to give people pay cuts, right? And so the prices you're seeing are going to be the new norm because there's just no way for them to reduce that price. Yeah, yeah. All right, I got two more questions for you to wrap us up. One is just kind of looking at the industry. You already mentioned inflation, but are there one or two other kind of big challenges that we need to be paying attention to and and thinking about that you think the the industry as a whole will be facing over the next 12 to 36 months? Well, I mean, it's it's a little bit tied to the inflation. I mean, I, I I've seen over the last six months a decline in in the number of leads that we've been getting. They've been good leads for the most part. Most of them have been pretty good quality leads. Again, people are shocked with prices, and and so it's a little tough there. But 
marketing is super important right now, right? Like you've got to get your message out there and let people know you're you're around and uh, try to increase that lead flow. I think that, you know, that's a big challenge right now. Some people have enough of a backlog and some people don't, but but that's that's a big challenge. I mean, finding good people. I mean, mm, they're yeah. they're it's hard to find people to hire. So, you know, take care of the people you have and and try to find good people and you know, train them. But hiring is a big issue. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't want to open up a whole can of worms, but with the whole AI thing, it, it yeah. I'm just fascinated how that will play out because it, it went reverse of how everyone thought it would be. Everyone thought, oh, it's the blue collar jobs that'll get replaced. And it's been all the like coding and design and, you know, creative to go first or writing. So I wonder what that does to, you know, you think about plumbers, electricians, tradespeople, like, because it's already tough to find those people. So will it create more people pushing into that because that hasn't been automated yet? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see how you automate that part of life. And, and I think, I think people are going to realize that, Hey, trades are Mm -hmm. the way to go. I mean, you're, you can make a lot of money in a trade right now. I've said for a couple of years now, I think this country made a big mistake in in kind of pushing kids, the younger generations to think that they have to get a degree and they have to, doesn't matter what you get your degree in, just get a degree. And, you know, our, our kids were getting degrees and stuff that they can't make a life at, you know, out of it. And they can't even pay off their school debt with it. And not college isn't for everybody. Right. And so I think that's a decision that each person and, you know, should make, but, you know, going to a trade school or learning a trade is a respectable job and you can make a lot of money at it. And the younger generation, especially, they don't want to do physical work, right? Like they, they don't want to get their hands dirty. So, you know, if you're willing to do that type of work, you, you can get paid well because they don't want to have to do it and they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be fascinating next decade or so to watch just in that corner of the world. So, yeah, Daniel, I appreciate your time. If you could leave us maybe with final words of wisdom or one last piece of advice for other remodelers listening, what would that be? Be open. Look at criticism as as a positive, as a way that you can grow your business and and learn from it. You don't have to do what other people tell you or what other people are doing, but it's it should open up your eyes and ears to is there a better way I could be doing it? You know, and and it may not be the way somebody else is doing it, but just that that idea they give you, that system, that process or whatever can trigger something for you to to really make your business better than it is today. You can always learn something new. Yeah. Well said. Well, Daniel, yeah, I appreciate your time and thanks for sharing your story with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.